morning, church. My name is Christy. Um, today is our first Sunday in Advent. And as we wait with Israel for Christ to come and we wait with the church for Christ to come again, we light this candle as a symbol of our hope in the Lord. Who proclaims these words through the prophet Zechariah. I'm about to deliver my people from the land of the east and the land of the west. I'll bring them back so they will dwell in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. May this light remind us to set our hope on the living God who is the savior of all. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.
Yes, please, and thank you. Ugh. Praise him. Let us pray as we turn our attention towards the word and the sermon now. Father God, thank you. Thank you for beauty. Thank you for song. Thank you for strings. Thank you for family. Thank you for the newborns in this room and their life. Thank you for the elders in this room and a life well lived. As we look to your scripture and your word and a word of hope, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that understand you and this time and this space in our lives to lead us on in your ways to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you all. I, how was Thanksgiving? Yeah, okay. Quick poll. Who in the room doesn't want any of their Thanksgiving food to touch? Yeah? All right. Quick poll. Who wants all of the food on one fork at the same time? Yeah? Okay, you're my people right there, the latter category. I want it all together, like a mashup, deep fried, and then just going for it, okay? Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. And we turn our attention now in the season of Advent, which somebody walked in tonight and said, Evan's my favorite, smile beaming today. And I said, yes, yes, it is. And do we know what it is and do we know what it means? So I just wanna give us that quick summary that Advent literally means arrival, that the word itself is an arrival, which means that if we are waiting and watching and longing for an arrival, it means that we're also waiting so on the one hand, the arrival, the, the Jesus is coming, Christmas is coming. And on the other hand, it means that we're waiting. On one hand, it means hope of the dawn. And on the other hand, it means that we're still in the night. And I think that plays with us and that should play with us because Christmas and Advent, it, it, it's a really funny thing that we live in culturally. Because how many of you took the picture probably on like September 30th and sent it to a family member? It's like they already got Christmas stuff at Costco. Can you believe this? Santa's already here. It's not even October. It's not even Halloween. It's already here. And so sometimes this waiting and this arrival that we're looking for in Christmas Day ends up feeling like, uh, finally, we can put all of the stuff away and we can stop listening to these songs at nauseum. And finally, it's over. And culturally, that's some of the conditioning that happens, that we actually start celebrating or start recognizing the Christmas season so early, and we're not actually waiting for something. It's already here, and we're living in it for so long that when Christmas actually comes, it's like this expression of finally, we can just be done with all of this. But if we approach Advent as an awaiting of the arrival of Jesus, and we put ourselves in a, in a countercultural tension. It's not that Christmas is here yet. I'm still waiting for, for the Messiah. I'm still waiting for the Jesus, the Christ, who will is to be born. And all of this that we're waiting for isn't here yet. Then Christmas days finally isn't this moan of finally it's over. It's finally he's come. And we need to engage with this season. And I didn't know how much I needed this season until November 27th, 2009, 13 years to the day, is when I got a phone call from an El Paso County Sheriff's officer that my dad had died. And it was two days after Thanksgiving, and I was 23 years old, just been engaged, didn't really know Christmas outside of the festivities of it, but that Christmas and for years after, as I was in those first stages of grief. 
I needed a season that didn't say, oh, everything's great. I needed a season that said, everything's not great and we're waiting for the one who's gonna come and make it well again, right? And I wanna give us that encouragement and Advent and the hope of the season that you don't have to lift your spirit that it's all okay, it's all fine, isn't this all cheery? Because actually that's the whole point of Advent is to say, no, it's not. We're living in the night, but we're people of the dawn and we're looking forward to and we're waiting for the sun to rise and Jesus to come and the light to shine and for all things to be made new. That that's what Advent is, is that waiting. And so for you who have experienced losses this year, you who have faced tragedies, you who are even engaging in the city right now in a cultural moment and we're saying, it's not all as it should be. Advent is for you. Advent's for us. This is a season that we need that says, it's not what it should be. And so what I'm doing is I'm waiting for the arrival of Christ to come as we recognize the first Advent and to return. And we're saying, come Lord Jesus and your second Advent, your second arrival and make all things that are not whole in you, make them that way, would you? So Advent's for you, that it's okay. And here's your permission to grieve during Christmas and yet grieve with hope. To know that you don't have to put a smile on, that you can wear your tears, and that that's okay. So thank you, Lord, for Advent. Speaking of hope, today's reading, that was during the candlelighting moment from Christy as she was reading out of Zechariah 8, as the prophet makes this statement, I am about to deliver my people from the land of the east and the land of the west. And I'll bring them back so they will dwell in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. In Advent, the waiting, the longing is set up by the first few words of this verse. I'm about to. I'm about to. And there's a difference. You know, kids kids are in the room. All generation service, right? There is a difference when my kid tells me I'm about to and when God tells me I'm about to. Can I get an amen, hallelujah, from some parent in this room? Right. When my kid, William, is very responsible, he's seven years old, but when he tells me, I'm like, hey, William, would you pick up your toys? And he goes, daddy, I'm about to. The amount of skepticism in this parent right here is like, no, no, I don't think you are about to because you're not. And I already asked you twice and you still haven't. So my hope that when you say I'm about to, is, it's, it's, it's nil, right? Okay. But when God says, I'm about to, there is a whole different kind of hope that exists. Because when God says, I'm about to, when God speaks, we've seen it in scriptures, life is created and new life is born. When God speaks and he says, I'm about to, the dead are rise. When God speaks, the storm is calmed. When God speaks, the fishing nets get filled. When God speaks, I'm about to, hope is. It is, it has room, it is created, it is reborn, it is sustained, it is reinforced in us. When God speaks, hope is. And we need hope in this time, hope in this season, hope in Christmas, it's our waiting, it's our arrival. It's looking at the world around us and saying, God, what is hope, who is hope, what are we even hoping for, who are we hoping in, what is this? And when you speak, I I have some sense of hope, but we need a new hope, a renewed hope today, which, for the keen eye, you saw the sweater I was wearing today. 
Obviously, Obi-Wan is fighting Darth Vader in episode four, A New Hope, which is how I slid this into appropriate attire for Christmas season and a preaching a sermon. When God speaks, hope is born for the first time, renewed and restored in us because we need it. And there's a definition of hope that is the world's and a definition of hope that is God's. And I think that we, we live in the tension of this because we hear that idea of hope so many times. Political candidates have run off of hope. We say it in a casual conversation all the time that the world's definition of hope really lands us to understand that hope as a wish, a dream, or a longing based on personal preferences and perspective. That when we say, I hope, let's say let's, the, the lottery. I hope to win the lottery. You're not gonna win the lottery. Come on. <laughs> that hope is your dream. It's your wish. You want to, but it's not based on anything. There's no anchor that says that that hope actually will come to pass. It's the world's idea of what hope is. Or hope of, uh, you know, snowboarders, skiers in the room. Oh man, I hope the snow this season is gonna be dope sauce. Oh yeah, I hope so. <laughs> One, I don't know if you talk like that. Kudos to you if you do. Two, it's supposed to be an El Nino year. So your hope is your personal preference and longing, but not necessarily anchored or rooted in something that is going on that has happened in the past. And that's the tension between the hope, the way that we use it culturally, the way the world talks about hope. It's my longing, it's my dream, it's my preference, my perspective, versus God's definition of hope that he lays out in scripture. God's definition in the Bible, a confident expectation based on past or present circumstances. That my hope of what God is going to do is actually translated to be a confident expectation that I can confidently expect because God has said it, I am about to, that it's gonna come to pass. And that it's not based on my preference or my perspective or my wishes and dreams and longings, it's actually based on what he's done. That what he has done and who he is in the past and what he's doing and who he is still present with us today is the whole anchor and existence for our hope that we would ever express. That's why when we get certain choruses, certain, certain words in our hymns, hymns are beautiful because they teach theology at such a rich level. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That song, that hymn is actually doing, the, the, it's living out and it's expressing the biblical definition of hope, that it's based on a past or present circumstance that I can ex confidently expect something that is to come. So when we look at scriptures and God is saying, I'm about to, we look back before that in scriptures, we look within our own lives, we look within the historical context of the world and we go, God, you have done it. I might have forgotten because it's been a while, but look, you've done this. So my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I can look and see what he's done and know that you're going to continue to do exactly what you've said to do. This is a biblical definition of hope. There are a couple of movements within hope and this definition that I wanna look at real quick. To be a people of hope, those who have confident expectation based on past or present circumstances, we must be a people of remembrance and presence. 
to be a people of hope, the ones that really walk around and live with and carry hope in us, we must be a people of remembrance. This is the idea of the definition of hope being a confident expectation on past circumstances, experiences, and a people of presence and present what's going on. So I wanna look at them each. First, the people of God are a people of remembrance. Repeatedly throughout scripture, somewhere between 250, 350 times, depending on your translation, you will see Israel and the church called to remember, to be a people of remembrance. Remember who God is, remember what God is like, remember what God has done, remember the scriptures, remember uh, and reading and the testimony of the saints who have come before us, remember God's move in our own lives. People of remembrance. And I, I think of sometimes the idea of to, be, to remember ourselves, just again, kids in the room, who here loves to play with Legos? I'm so sorry, adults too. Who here loves to play with Legos? Yes, right. We all do. My kids are uniquely gifted at deconstructive play. Um, <laughs> constructive play would take the Legos and put them together, right? Deconstructive play... Mm. We ha- we ha- so, so much so that we have a rule in our house that you can't break it unless you built it. Um, and they're still figuring that one out. Like, can I stomp your sandcastle? We just went to California last week for a wedding. Can I stomp your sandcastle? No, I built the sandcastle. If you want to break one, you have to build it yourself. So you have to take the work and then you can smash it. Like, great. Same thing goes, I mean, this is our lives, guys. Just pray for us, right? It's just, it's deconstructive play. Within that, though, to take all of those labels, or all those Legos, and put them together, there's a building part of it, but it's taking the members and reconnecting them and building them together, right? To, to, to forget to demember is to, to cast them asunder, to take them apart. And so when God's calling us to be a people of remembrance, it's to take the pieces of God's work and God's love and faith and testimony and God's act in the scriptures and in our own lives and to take them and constantly put them back together within ourselves and within our church body and within our lives. Because when we can hold all of those pieces together, we will hold hope that the God, we can have confident expectation of what has happened is happening, will continue to happen because this is who God is. So I wanna take a moment and ask you, and, and I, if you have kids or whoever you came with, if you're solo, this, you're gonna meet somebody new right now. This is gonna be great. But I wanna ask you this question. What has caused you to have hope in God? I want you to think of it. I'm, this isn't a passive question or not. I want you to ex- experience this as an active question. What has caused you in your present circumstances to have hope or maintain hope in God. In your life, was there a moment that you can recall? Was there an encounter with God or, or some godly person through whom he ministered? Do we remember creation and redemption? Do we look at the prophets, the cross itself? And I want you just to lean over to the person next to you and just say the one thing that comes to mind first right now, one thing. This is what I can remember, the past or the present circumstance, which gives me confidence which means that I have hope in what God will continue to do. And when he says, I'm about to, we know that that's right. So turn to your neighbor right now and just share that one thing. Why and what has given you hope in God?
All right, I'm gonna bring us back in. Thank you for engaging in that moment because that means that in this room, there are 500 stories of remembrance of who God is, what he has done, what he is continually doing in our lives that get built up upon each other. These are the Ebenezer's, the stones of remembrance. And we go, this is who God is. We can maintain hope now and for what is to come because we can be a people of remembrance looking for what God has done and who God continues to be. Amen? Amen. So first, the people of God are a people of remembrance, and this builds up our hope. And second, the people of God are a people of presence. A people of presence. And, and if you know me, you know that I can be pretty good at being present with you. Um, maybe sometimes present with myself, but like all of us, uh, I can also be very bad at that, right? If you've talked to me on a Sunday morning, we may have gotten cut off mid-conversation because something else happened, and you're like, actually, you're pretty terrible at being present with me right now. You're scattered. And I go, I know, it's a growth edge. I'm working on it, okay? There's grace for all of us. But to be a people of presence is God's presence in us. This is a, a classic understanding of, we are a people of the presence, that historically the people of God, God has dwelt with his people. And the Old Testament was in the temple. and the New Testament, Jesus gives us this beautiful image that we are the temple. That when we gather, the presence of God is filling us. That when we walk around, our bodies themselves are temples of God in which he dwells by his spirit. We are a people and carriers of the presence. That he is in us, that he is amongst us, that he is working through us and that his presence in the world is in and through our presence in the world. Which means that when we look at the news, when we look at our situations, when we look at our neighborhoods, when we look at our neighbors, when we look at what's going on in our city, we can believe that this is true. That no place, space, or person is God forsaken when the people of God show up. That no place or space is God forsaken when the people of God are there because we are the carriers of the presence of God. And that when we show up, when we practice presence, God himself is in that place, which means that God himself also can be at work. And I think for us, I think for us, this is, this is a big challenge. That the love of God, which brings the hope of God, that we would be so present in the lives and in the circumstances and the situations of the world around us that not only would we have love, but that we would be practicing loving actions, right? Not only would we be present with love, but we would also be presently loving. And so that the world would experience some level of hope, a confident expectation based on past present circumstances about what is to come in the future. And what this takes is us showing up. And when I say present, I mean, yes, God's presence with us, our presence with God, our presence with one another, and our presence in every area of the world. That it's when we can show up and just not be loving, but do love, be presently, actively loving, that then hope will start being seated in the world around us. Because hope, based on past or present circumstances, then becomes this idea of, well, how do you know that God is loving? How do you know that God is real? How do you know that the church is even God's church? Well, this one time, someone showed up. 
When I was sick, they brought me a meal. It was small, but it was, it was actually quite big. When I was needy, there was provision. And it showed me the love of God. So I have hope all of a sudden of, oh, that's what it's like, and that's what it's gonna be like again. That where there's brokenness, somebody showed me comfort. That where there's loneliness, somebody invited me in. That us being present with each other and the world means showing up and not just having love presently, but presently loving in our actions and our words and our deeds. I think for all of us, we can think of that one person that uh, is going through the hard time right now. The tragedy has hit, the loss has incurred, maybe it's death, maybe it's divorce, maybe it's some other form of loss, tangible or intangible, but we're in this season where it's just hard. And that to be a people of presence, sowing hope in the world, means to show up and be present in the way that God is. To be the people who carry the presence into every relationship, every circumstance, every situation. And to say, no, and it's not just, I, I have the love of God, but I'm going to act upon that and have others experience presently what the God, love of God is like. So that then hope starts getting seeded, hope arises. Looking back at Zechariah 8, 7 through 8, we read this, this was, this was the reading for the day. I'm about to deliver my people from the land of the east and the land of the west. I'll bring them back so they will dwell in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Zechariah is, a, is what they refer to as a post-exilic prophet. It means Israel has, there's the pre-exilic Israel hasn't gotten taken into exile yet by Babylon or Assyria. There's the prophets who prophesy in exile. And then there's after Israel's returns to the land, there's the post-exilic prophets. And so Zechariah is one of those. And it's a really interesting story when you think of, okay, Israel went and then they came back. And he's talking about collecting people from the lands of the east and the lands of the west and bringing them back to dwell in Jerusalem. And there's a story of people we find hope in God and it comes from the east. That there's, there's an image that the scripture actually gives us and it's the magi. And you know this story, that the wise men that come from the east and they follow a star for years traveling in the Middle East section of the world through deserts and through hard lands. And they show up in Bethlehem with the confident expectation, looking for the one who was born the king of the Jews, right? I wanna invite Jason and the worship team up here. And as they're coming up, I wanna ask this question. How do Magi from the East even know about the Jews, much less have a prophetic understanding that there would be one born king of the Jews? They're not Jewish. They've never been to Israel. How do they even know about this? And what has given them such a confident expectation that they could arrive in Jerusalem after up to two years of travel and say, where's that one born king of the Jews? We know he's here. We have a confident expectation. How does that even happen? And I'm curious if we can use our prophetic imagination a little bit, because this isn't strictly in the scriptures, but knowing post-exile that the Jews were taken out of their promised land, put into exile, and then came back, and people from the east came looking for the one who was born king of them, could it be that when they were in exile, they lived out the words of Jeremiah 29, four through seven. 
The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims to all the exiles, I have carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, cultivate gardens, eat what they produce, get married, have children, then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too might have children. Increase in number so that you won't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Is it possible that these three wise men, these magi from the East, who are themselves not Jews, can show up with full confidence and full expectation, full hope, because for hundreds of years in exile, someone or lots of people of the Jews, the Israelites, did exactly what this verse was telling them to do. When you go into that place, be a people of remembrance, practice your faith, remember your God, your creator, who he is and what he's done, and be a people of presence. Be present in the place wherever you are, wherever neighborhood you're in, whoever your neighbor is, whether you know them or not, Christmas time, y'all, bake them cookies. It's a great time to know them. Be present. If there's a hardship, show up. Be present. And that hundreds and hundreds of years of that for the Magi, they caught on to this hope of who God is and what's he like. And they go, the people of remembrance and the people of presence have seeded in us a hope that when we travel for years, I mean, your nativity sets, y'all, if you really wanna be accurate, when you set up little baby Jesus on that nativity set, put those magi at the other end of the house, y'all. I mean, they were, that star appeared and then they came two years, come on. They're not in that space. They're, they're going, we saw the star. We traveled for years. We showed up with expectation and hope because somewhere along the way, the people of God they were the people of remembrance and the people of presence. And in us, it created hope that when we show up, God is true. God is real. God is. And when he says, I'm about to, he is going to come through. This is who our God is, y'all. And the way that we practice that every week is by being a people who come to the table and remember. And being a people who recognize and practice the presence of God in the communion and in the community. So we turn our attention now towards the table. Jason, would you lead us there? Thank you so much, Pastor Evan. This is Jesus's table. So all who believe that Jesus is the true king of the world are welcome to receive here today, regardless of your church background or affiliation or even your age. If you don't believe as we believe, thank you so much for choosing to spend a Sunday here with us. We encourage you to keep coming back and to keep asking questions about Jesus. However, if you've been in the midst of maybe a long journey yourself, of years of wondering and questioning who this Jesus is, and today you find hope in him and you want to place your trust in him, if you're ready to believe in Jesus and to follow his teachings, then we invite you to join us as we confess our sin once again, as we seek him for forgiveness, and as we place our trust in him and him alone through this prayer of confession. Let's pray together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. 
we are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Well, friends, it is my joy to announce to you the good news, words that are true not because I say them, but words that are true because of what God has done in Jesus. So would you open up your hands and receive once again the mercy of God. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. And this proves, this demonstrates God's love toward us. So in the name of Jesus Christ, you are, we are forgiven. And the peace of the Lord be with you. As those who've been raised to new life in Jesus, would you stand and greet one another in his name and share the peace that you have with one another. morning. Peace, peace, peace. Oh, sorry. People of New Life downtown, Jesus is here. So lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. Yes. It is a joy, a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, for you formed us in your image and you breathed into us the breath of life. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When we were unfaithful, you sent your son, Jesus, to be faithful on our behalf. And the night in which he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus took bread and he said, I'm about to. I'm about to give myself fully for you. And he gave us this sign as a way to remember and as a way to experience his presence. And so on the night that he was handed over, he took bread. And when he blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he given thanks, he gave it to them. And he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. So whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of his mighty acts, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. The Christ is risen and Christ will come again. This is the core of our hope. What he has done, what he is doing and what he is going to do. So all of us who are in Christ Jesus are part of the priesthood of all believers. Would you stretch out your hands then toward this table as we pray that the spirit would meet us here this morning. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ 
redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Jesus, one with each other, and one in present ministry to all the world until Jesus returns in final victory. In his name we pray, amen. Well, friends, these are the gifts of God given for us, the people of God. Receive them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. Larry, thank you so much. Linda, here you go. Thank you. In just a moment, we're going to receive the elements together, and this is how it's going to work. Beginning in the front of each section, you'll exit to your left and come forward. If you're in the balcony, you can come down and join the section here on the right, or there are prepackaged elements on a table up there, up there near the entrance. If you're unable to come forward for any reason, please ask someone near you to bring the elements to you, to grab some extra and bring them back. If you are not receiving this morning, we ask that you please come forward anyway, just so that people aren't tripping over you in the aisles. But you can just walk by the servers and return to your seat. Parents, we'll leave it up to your discernment about whether or not you would like your kids to participate during this time. So you can just indicate that to the servers as they come forward. What will happen as you come is the first server will take a gluten-free cracker, dip it in the cup of non-alcoholic wine, and then place it in your hand. You may receive it right then and there or carry it back and receive it in your seat with those that you came with. If you prefer prepackaged elements, please make sure you ask the servers. If you'd like a napkin before they place it in your hand, there are some napkins on and a dispenser on the tables as you come forward. There will be two stations in the front of each section, so make sure you rotate as you come down. And then after everyone has received, our ministry team will be available up front for prayer. If you would like someone to stand with you in prayer today, please make sure you come forward after everyone has received and ask for prayer. But let's worship together at the table of our coming King.